Church of Colossia uh, for several weeks on and off. And uh, in Paul's letter to the Colossian church, it's a sister letter to Ephesians, but it still has a good amount of different, um, different teaching and emphasis. And we're particularly going to look at some of those different aspects. Today we're going to pick up right at the heart, right in the middle of Colossians, the third chapter. If you uh, want to do a bit of homework, your homework for the week would be to just read through Colossians in the weeks ahead. There are only four chapters. If you read half a chapter a day, you could read it in a real easy five minutes a day in about a week. So, uh, so I hope you'll take that assignment as well. But uh, Paul here in Colossians reminds us of where our focus is to be. And, uh, and I want to just share this uh, word with you from Paul in, a, in the hopes that we all might reflect on our focus in these days. So here's what Paul writes in Colossians third chapter. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. So set your hearts on things above, where the Messiah is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ the Messiah, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming, and you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But Christ the Messiah is all and is in all. This is the word of God for you and me, God's people. Thanks be to God. Can you pray with me this morning? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, um, uh, Jesus, uh, we want to just renew our gaze. Lord, put our heart, our mind, our lives, orient them to the best place, to where you are. Uh, it gets easy to let our eyes look around at all the mess that can take place in different places of our world. And uh, so it is good for us to be reminded where our life really is. And so help us live in that place instead. We pray in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Brothers and sisters, as Paul shares with us his heart for the church in Colossia, he's also sharing his heart 
for us, for you and me. And he knows that we can get discouraged. He knows we can fall into despair. He knows we can kind of be fearful of the uncertainty of the present and where the future is headed. He knows that all those things can kind of pull us down and help us miss out on what is most needed. And so today, he gives us an important reminder of where our focus is. He says, listen, in baptism, you died. Your old life is dead and gone with Jesus. It's in the tomb, left to stay and rot. He said, instead, you now, you've been raised with Christ. In baptism, you've been raised to a new life, and Jesus' resurrection is working in and through you. And he says, we know where Jesus is right here, right now. Jesus is with the Father in heavenly places, seated at God's right hand, and he is interceding for us. He is interceding for our world. He is uh, seeking to work out our crazy mixed up world in a way of healing and life in the kingdom. And so Paul challenges us in moments like we're in right now. Don't lose hope. Don't get discouraged. Keep your gaze on Jesus. Keep looking for him. Keep seeking him. Keep orient, orienting your whole life toward him. Verse 2 says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, the word there, set your mind, is, is the word freneo. And freneo really is it's more than just put your mind on something, but it's really orient everything that you are. Orient your whole life on Jesus and heavenly places. That is the healthiest place for us as human beings to ground who we are and whose we are in. If we've put our focus anywhere else, especially anywhere else in this world, then we lose. I think one of the things that Paul is saying here is one of the temptations for us as human beings is is we kind of fall into the shadow places. The places where we think the main thing is what's going on in the world. On Fox News or on MSNBC or, you know, uh, what's happening around the world. And Jesus, Paul reminds us that that is not where our life is found. Our life is found centered in Jesus Christ. And instead of focusing on the earthly part, we are to put the earthly side of ourselves to death. He focuses on this in two areas that he saw as broken places. And when we, when we let the earthly parts of us be in charge... One way to talk about it is we become a shadow of our real selves. We become less human, more animal, less, uh, less in God's image. And so he challenges, he says, listen, put to death sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. These are idolatry. 
Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And here he shares a picture with us of, of a time, a, a heart where we let our cravings be in charge of how we live our life. He says, watch out. Don't let your fleshly cravings be in charge of how you live your life. Because those cravings um, get us into trouble. Examples of this that uh, he talks about, the last word there, greed, is also the word covetousness. To covet is to want something your neighbor has. If they have something better than you, then you want it. That's part of that selfish craving that we have to watch out for. That selfish craving that wants us to keep up with the Joneses, so we got to get the bigger place to live or the nicer vehicle or a new boat or, you know, we just, we crowd our life with stuff. And I think Paul understands that stuff is not the way to life. Instead, we have to refocus on better things. And so... Paul here challenges us. What things do you crave? Where is your heart trying to lead you astray? Where are you um, being pulled in the wrong direction? He challenges us, put these areas to death to let them go. And then a second area, or not just the things we crave, oftentimes that get us in trouble, but a second area that gets us in trouble is our anger. He says, watch out for your anger, for your rage, for malice, slander, and filthy languages that come from your lips. <clears throat> Paul knew that a second area where we become less human is when we let our anger take over our lives and our heart. We've seen kind of the worst example of this in the last week, right? Um, one of the things where my heart breaks for uh, the Middle East situation is how much groups like Hamas have gotten on the wrong path. Groups like Hamas think that God blesses our anger and our rage blesses us when we destroy our enemy and fight back and that he will give us a place in the kingdom because of our anger and our rage. And I think how desperate Islam needs the teaching of Jesus and to love your enemies. How desperate Islam needs the teaching of Paul that says, listen, you got to let the anger and the hatred and that junk go. Because it destroys our world. It harms us. It harms others. It harms those around us. And we've got to let the anger and the rage and the malice and the slander, we've got to let all that go. Because that is not the kingdom. That is not what Jesus called us to focus on. That is not what we are to be about. And so my heart breaks for the Middle East and all the, the mess that is there because, because this radical group has embraced a lie that they thought's from God. And how many of us do we also embrace lies that lead to our own 
destruction. And so Paul challenges us to get rid of these kinds of things that hold us back and instead to focus our energy, our being, our life in the right place, in heavenly places where Jesus is seated in Christ. Excuse me, Jesus is seated in the Father, hidden. And in the midst of this, he gives us a little insight. Paul's hard to understand, I know. But there is this little insight that so much of life, we don't see Jesus very clearly. It's like Jesus is hidden. And so oftentimes, in our own mortality, we don't feel very Jesus-like either. And we don't feel like we're very connected to God like we ought to be. But Paul reminds us, because of the resurrection of Jesus, we are connected with Christ. He says, listen, we died, and our life is hidden with Christ in God. And then he gives us this little hint. When Christ, the Messiah, who is your life, appears, you will also appear in glory. Paul encourages us as we focus on heaven, as we keep our eyes open for what Jesus is doing, there will be moments, praise God, there will be moments when the light of Jesus will shine through. We'll see him clearly at work in our church or in our community or in our world. And we'll say, Jesus, thank you. You haven't given up on us yet. And in those moments where Jesus begins to shine out his power and presence once again into this broken world, we also will shine out that we're his children, that we've been hidden with him, and that we will see Jesus touch our hearts and lives too. Because brothers and sisters, we live in a shadow world. We live in a world among all sorts of people, all sorts of places, all sorts of communities. And so much and so many of the people of our world, they're just driven by their desires. Or they're motivated by their rage. And the challenge for us is, how are they going to see that that way is the way of death? How are they going to see that that is not the path that we're to be on? Unless we keep our eyes on heaven too, so that Jesus could shine every once in a while through us in ways that bring light and hope and joy to our broken world. What, what Paul's talking about here, brothers and sisters, he's talking about us letting the Holy Spirit sanctify our lives to transform our lives into something new, to something better, to something good. He says, listen, you've taken off that old self, the old self that was motivated with you know, selfish cravings and with anger, You've taken off that, you're putting on the new self, and it's being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. Here Paul's thinking is going back to the Garden of Eden. 
And he reminds us there of the story of Adam and Eve, how Adam and Eve lived in the garden. They were in intimate relationship with the Father. They had paradise. They had everything they needed to live the blessed life and to reflect the image of God's good love in their lives. And how in the garden, they gave all that away. They traded it in for their own broken desires, for their own brokenness and anger and hatred. And they lost the garden. The image of God in humanity was marred, was smeared, was lost, became a shadow of what it once was. And what Paul shares with us today is that Jesus has come to bring us back to paradise. Jesus has come to shape us back into that image of God that we've lost. We just have to ask for God's grace to keep us oriented to the place of heaven, to the place of Jesus, to the place of hope and love and belief that God can help us be the best version of ourselves. Not the shadow version, but the real deal. That only in Christ I can really be Christopher Warren Schertz. I can't be Christopher Warren Schertz without Jesus Christ. I'll be some shadow, something a whole lot less, a whole lot more selfish and broken. I need Jesus to be all that I'm created to be, and you do too. Because God is doing a new thing. Not only is he taking us back to the garden, but he wants to take all of us that will go back to the garden. And so he reminds us in the creator, there is no longer, there's no longer a Palestinian and a Jewish person. There are not those differences anymore. In God and in Christ Jesus, they're one. There's no longer circumcised religious special people and uncircumcised people who aren't as special and aren't as religious. No, in Jesus, both are one. There are no longer barbarians and Scythians, those people who they were born on the wrong side of the tracks. They had the wrong clan, the wrong family, the wrong parents, the wrong life. They'll never get into the kingdom because they're barbarians. They don't, they don't know how to, you know, they're not cultured. They're not civilized. Paul says that doesn't matter. God doesn't care. In Jesus Christ, there's a place for the person on the wrong side of the tracks too. And there's no slave or free. In Romans, he adds, there's no male or female, but we are all one in Jesus Christ. God is trying to bring the whole human race, all that might come, all that might say yes, and to bring them into the kingdom. <clears throat> and this is our work. Our work at this point in history is to re remember that our focus needs to be about Jesus once again. 
if we get our eyes up, we get our hope in the right place, we will trust God to take care of the rest. And so my hope and prayer for us in the days ahead is that we would check our attitude, check our life, check our focus. What is demanding our attention? And instead, maybe we should look to Jesus. To give you an example of this, I want to share a testimony of a fellow named Hector Vega. Hector shares his story in a book called Arrested by Grace, the true story of death and resurrection from the streets of New York City. Uh, Hector grew up wanting to be a baseball player as a kid. He grew up in New York. He was hoping to one day play for the New York Yankees. But he grew up in a village called Hell's Kitchen in New York City. And I don't know, that doesn't sound very positive. And for Hector, it wasn't very positive either. Um, he didn't get to be the all-star baseball player because he lived in a community and lifestyle that was kind of out of control. It was one of those communities where it was easier to let your, uh, your self-centered passions and desires rule your life. And so at an early age, he got involved in alcohol. By 11, he was drinking. By 13, he was smoking marijuana and doing drugs. And from there on out, he would just pop in and out of prison, in and out of prison, in and out of prison. He was at Rikers Island Prison for a good while. He'd get out for a bit and maybe have a short-term job. But even when he had a nice job at the hospital, he would find a way to blow it and destroy it and end up back in prison. And uh, he talks about this time in his life in, in the context. One time when he was in prison, a cell person next to him, his name was Jose Vega. Same last name. Jose Vega committed suicide in the prison. And uh, when the, the prison warden, I think, didn't really know exactly who, who died. And so when they reported to the family, they reported Hector Vega's death to his family. So for about two weeks, his family thought he'd committed suicide in prison. But it was actually the guy next to him. And he says this was one of those moments as he thought about this fellow next to him who had died. He said, there was something powerfully symbolic in how I was dead to my family, but I was not yet buried. Looking back on this moment in my life, I believe God was beginning to show me that although I was physically alive, I was spiritually lifeless. And he was beginning to show me that true life could only be found by dying to self. He was beginning to realize what Paul is trying to teach us today. So oftentimes we let lesser things be in charge of our lives. Things that will destroy us in the end. We have to learn to die to ourself and find life in Christ. Unfortunately, Hector began to learn those lessons. For him, the real help was his girlfriend, Michelle. Michelle and, and him began getting together and 
dating, and pretty soon uh, they were starting a family. But he knew as uh, a baby was on the way, he was nowhere near ready to be a dad at all. He'd been in and out of prison for way too long. And so Michelle had been again looking for hope in the church. And as she'd been going to church, she began to center her life in Christ and praying for Hector that he too could find a way to a hope and a future. And so he began to go to ministry programs in prison. And he began to find help from others who were following Jesus. And he began to read the Bible for himself. He tells of a time where he sang the, the song that probably most of us have sung somewhere along our lives. The song, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. He says in this moment, he began to be moved to follow Jesus. He came to a place surrounded by other strong disciples that the time had come for him to surrender his life to Christ. Another way of saying to put his eyes on the heavenly places rather than the other junk that had been tearing his life down. And as he began looking to Jesus as his Savior, as he began trusting in Jesus as his Lord, he found the life and freedom he'd always longed for. He said, finally, 1996, I left prison for good because I knew that Jesus had remade me from the inside out. From here, he went on to be a, a successful insurance executive. He also began leading ministry communities, a homeless shelter and an addiction recovery program. He began pastoring at East Harlem Fellowship in New York City. Christ has changed his life as he set his sights on heavenly places. He found this, he closes with these words, nothing is impossible for God Almighty. The world had labeled me an addict and a career criminal. His love and mercy had overwhelmed me, testifying that I was made in his image and worthy of being pre presented as a trophy of his grace. Hector found when he kept his eyes in the right place that he was a new person. Lord, help us in the days ahead. Keep our eyes on Jesus because he will reveal himself. And when he does, you will see yourself in glory too. Lord, may it be in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for brothers and sisters today. It gets easy for us, especially with everything on the news right now, to be fretful and worried and in despair and discouraged. Um, the Lord, it's time once again to not focus on the wrong thing. Lord, help us seek you to set our eyes above in heavenly places, to trust that you 
can and will reveal yourself in our world. And Lord Jesus, I pray some way, shape, or form that you will reveal yourself in this mess in the Middle East and also in the mess in Ukraine and other places. Lord, that, that our hearts might be captured by your love and that we might let the brokenness fall away. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit,